the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, my parents both had COVID. Oh, no. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. But they're, yeah, they're on the downswing. Um, I think they're totally past it, actually. <clears throat> but they get the they're planning well. on coming. So they're in Canada, and they are planning on coming here and then maybe getting the vaccine. I think they feel a little less rushed to get it, the vaccine, now that they've had it. But right, with all the other strains and... Uh, things like that so yeah so like seems like they're in the clear i think i think that they're traveling i hope that they're in the clear <laughs> yeah were uh, you able as an are you considered an essential worker yeah i have like my i got one vaccine two Good. weeks ago and then i have a second one this weekend there was just an article about how like where's the concern for healthcare workers because there's they're the ones being the backbone and everything and i just spoke with my therapist over the weekend and it was actually really good to talk to her again Oh, I think it's bullshit. Really? <laughs> I think like, I mean, I think teachers, I, I, I mean, I didn't say no. I went to go get the, I took, I took the opportunity, but for the most part, most therapists are sitting behind a screen and sure. we, okay. we can do it well and fine. And like the teachers are out there not getting vaccinated the way that therapists are getting vaccinated. Sure. And That's so, true. Yeah. And there are some therapists that are okay. working in hospitals, but there should be a distinction between <clears throat> that. Like if you are working in a hospital, not a mm. therapist. Oh, wow. Interesting. I, I uh, wow. It, okay. Well, you're a very strong individual too. So I wonder if, you know, your lens, uh, you know, makes it sound like it's a lot easier than it is, but uh, I can certainly appreciate that. And I, I mean, well, and, of course it's better in, in real life. I think people, but we're talking about teachers in a school with students sure. exposed every day versus right. can you wait another month or two, like yeah. see your therapist, you know? So, um, you mean she got vaccinated and now she's back on in full life. Okay. Well, no, no I'm I mean, asking you, you're my therapist. therapist. No, yeah. she took time off because she actually had a baby. So that was wonderful. So oh, she okay. was on maternity leave for a bit, uh, but I, I felt for her nonetheless. I mean, I, 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 she's a great therapist. She's wonderful. She, she does a great job with me. Um, so I enjoy seeing her and I missed her when I was away. And maybe there's a little bit of transference there <laughs> because of it, but I, I certainly appreciate the, the meeting with her when I do because she helps ground me and she gives me a better sense of perspective. And, and so that's a really wonderful thing to have from a mental health worker, someone that you're paired up with and, and everyone should, everyone in the world should probably have a mental health worker. Uh, but the article just did raise kind of how the residual effects, I think, you know, impact everyone that who, you know, yeah. who reassures the reassurer. There was a, there was a Snoopy cartoon about that, right? Who mm, Snoopy goes and you know, comforts Charlie Brown one night when he's scared, but then he goes back out to his doghouse and he's lying there underneath the stars in the darkness. And he says, who reassures the reassurer? You know, wh where does it really start? Where does it stop? Who holds you in place? I, I just thought right. that was a really, yeah. And it makes me think too, like you said, your parents ever are up in Canada. And if we could, we could just go with this. Your, your parents are up in Canada. When was the last time that you saw them? Oh, not long ago. <laughs> really? <laughs> Um, <laughs> no wonder it's not so bad for you. <laughs> my my brother got married in my backyard. Remember right. right. Um, <laughs> in November, everybody was here. My whole family came. 
But before then, it had been since February, February to November. But uh, yeah, it's such a different reality that I live here. I know, I live it really Florida. is. Life is normal, except sometimes I need to put on a mask. I just went away for the weekend. I just flew around the country. Like I live, a, like kids go to school. My life has been largely unaffected. And, and, and the big effects, like working from home, have tremendous benefits for me. So it's, I, when I talk to people who don't live in Florida, I'm just amazed at, I'm like, I tell my kids, I'm like, you don't realize what the rest of the world is going through. Like Israel's been in lockdown. You can't yeah. go like 20 meters from your house. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a different world. And here it's, I mean, there's this weird mixture. It's coming aware on me. It is, I, I certainly feel like I'm, I'm dealing with some pandemic fatigue here because it's just like you wake up and you're like another day of this and it feels like a depression. You know, I've dealt with depression before and it, and it feels like that, like there's a, a real frustration to it. It feels like, when is this going to end? It feels like this was only supposed to be a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. And now we're going on a year and it's like, when's the end supposed to appear and other people are living in different worlds. And I got up for a run this morning and it, and it felt really good. I've been working out this whole time. The exercise routine has been really wonderful. Um, but a lot of it, you know, is just kind of compounding and it was, it was hard not to, I, I almost went to tears in the middle of the run. And I think sometimes, you know, when you're distracted doing something else, your body can kind of let go and it can kind of break in some ways. And, and, and maybe you can emote a little bit when you're distracted. And so that happened to me when I was running, cause I was thinking like, you know, when can I switch up my routine? When can I do something different? I think some of that's compounded by isolation as well. And so that's why I was asking about your parents, because I haven't seen mine. Uh, you know, we were supposed to go last your time parents I saw live here on the East Coast. My parents are in Connecticut. Yeah. And so is the rest of my family. I'm the only one out here. My brother lives in Michigan, but everyone else is Northeast based. So, mm. you know, for me, it's been over a year since I saw I saw them December of 2019. That was the last time I saw any of my family wow. members in person. Are your and parents vaccinated? They're getting it. Yeah. They're okay. getting it. And then will yeah. they travel? We'll see. I mean, it might make life a little bit easier uh, once they get the vaccine. Uh, I don't know, but it's just, I mean, the isolation is just, and it's funny because I don't want to make it sound like I'm a hermit by any means. It's not like I'm not going outside, right? I get to go to the grocery store. I put on a mask. I go to the dog park. I see other people there. Well, how's it going with that girl? Well, I mean, there's no particular girl, right? I'm not in a relationship with anyone. That's the frustrating part about it is that I think the dating scene is, you know, it's a lot of oysters and no pearls and it's tough to get anything started. And I, I don't have a full-time job, right? Yeah. I do a lot of part-time work and that is unattractive. And so there's like this extra compounding layer of it where it's no job, right? No full-time job, at least no full-time love, um, you know, and, and then there's living just, in part-time, what a, what an interesting title, like a part-time. Yeah. Well, and there's also something that's really unfamiliar about it, which I think is so daunting. And it's not just like, we've never been in this circumstance before. That's certainly something new that's for everyone. Um, you know, nobody's ever gone through a year of pandemic and quarantine, right? Regardless of the differences between Florida and the rest of the world, there's still this idea out there. And I certainly hope we get to a point where there is that type of freedom that you're experiencing, right? Where you get to do whatever you want. You just have to wear a mask some of the time. Right. 
you know, that would be really nice. But there's this unfamiliarity of like who I am. And this is what came up in therapy is that felt like in some ways that I've lost myself. Hmm. I miss what it is to work a full-time job and to be exhausted at the end of the day, right? To want to just kind of put everything aside and veg out and rub my eyes and lay on the couch, right? It's not like I don't have a chance to lay on the couch now, but I, you know, I, I want the feeling of having put in a good eight hours of work and I try, right? Like I try to put the part-time stuff together. And even with like all the patient training, the patient's training that I've been trying to do right during this time, you have to let go. You have to say, these are exceptional times that nobody's gone through this before, that you have to forgive yourself, that you have to give yourself a break. I'm good at that. I think to an extent that reservoir is running out because I think that reservoir is like, we didn't plan for this long, buddy. It reminds me of that um, fable where the wife complains, it's like some village where the wife complains that her house is too small and the rabbi says, bring in the chicken, bring in the goat, bring in the horse. And then they just keep stuffing the house. And then finally he says, take it so all messy. out. And she's like, she's like, oh, look at this palace that I have, you know? And so it's like the old times back in the day of feeling exhausted and run down from work and life and all the, the things that we had. And then now missing that, those experiences and really appreciating what it means to be tired at the end of the day and out and about and have, you know, more variability in our routines. And I think the novelty of also kind of the larger spiritual lessons that we were all trying to hold on to in the, you know, Victor Frankl way of, if you have a why you can, you know, survive anyhow. I think those are, those are still important and they're still there and they're still real, but I, I feel like they're wearing thin in some way that I can't keep going back to them or I need to find a new one. I keep saying to myself, like, you need to pick up a new routine. You need to do something different. You need to refresh this thing, right? That's what needs to happen. You need to take on a new cooking hobby, right? Learn how to juggle four balls instead of three. And some ways I don't know that that, I don't have the energy for that. I think there's a depression there. And it's just kind of like get up and do the minimum and get through your regular stuff. Uh, and that's all I can seem to muster. Do you feel like there's an end in sight? I have hope that there's an end in sight. I have hope that there is an end in sight, but I'll be honest with you. I'm concerned that it's going to come with damage, right? That it's, it, we're going to, maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of us are going to come through, come out of this really bruised. And my concern is mostly socially. I'll tell you where this is coming from. This is like a relationship thing with friends and whatnot. I don't know about you, but part of the isolation for me is just that like nobody calls. Hmm. I could reach out too, right? That's on me. I could certainly reach out, but I also feel like just nobody calls. And I don't know if that's like a divorce thing, right? People didn't call before the pandemic, so maybe it is. I certainly feel for them too but I go back to this notion of you have a job, right? And you're married. Hmm. So like, what are your problems? I realize that we're in a pandemic and your kids are on remote learning. What are your fucking problems? Hmm. So there's part of me that's a little entitled and wanting to be loved and cared for. It was funny, um, you know, feeling invisible can really uh, damage a person's sense of self and worth. Someone told me the other day, I was on a, a group uh, chat and I was just talking about different ideas I had had about something. 
um, raising a level of conversation. And someone reached out afterwards saying that I thought those ideas were really impressive. Not that the conversation went anywhere, or the ideas went anywhere, but I felt really seen. And that was, I mean, to feel gratitude after feeling, feeling so seen was a real new feeling for me. And I think that's only brought on by all this isolation. Wow. Yeah, I think you had a, a strange, possibly unfortunate juxtaposition of life events of going straight from that divorce, which is such a lonely time and isolating time as it is where you have to wrestle with a few demons and then doing that wall in isolation as well from the rest of the world and from your regular social context and family. That, that's hard. It's really hard. I mean, and it messes, I think, with your sense of self-worth. Did you, did you lose friends along the way when you got divorced? Were there people who were just like not talking to you anymore? So my story was a little bit strange because we, we moved around a bit. Um, I guess the, the main part of our marriage was in Israel where yeah. we were really a strong family in the community. We did a lot of community you talked stuff, about that. Yeah. Right. So that was our community. Those were our friends. And that's always the hard part of what happens when you're divorced of who gets the friends in a way <laughs> there. And there is usually some division of friendship, you know, as much as you might like to be like, Oh, there's no division of friends. We can still stay. It usually tends to some go with him, some go with her, but we moved to Florida and then got separated so soon after that we hadn't built community yet. So I had lost my friends because of the move to some degree, you know, they were in Israel and um, I didn't have an, a community where we were. So when I got divorced, I didn't really feel like I lost those friends. I just felt very community list, but mm. also because I had just moved and yeah. um, just in the end, like he just made friends and I just made friends. And that was the communities that, that we had. So you just restarted once you got to a new area. Yeah, it just felt like a big restart in in general. And I'm trying to think if I lost any. I lost family. Like um, that's, I lost. I was friends with my sisters in law. Oh, wow. uh, I lost that. That there was, that was that was hard. Because that's just another division of lines. It's like you're not part of this mishpucha anymore. So why would we have reason to talk to you? That kind of thing. Yeah, um, I think my ex preferred more of a division of your life, my life, and let's let's draw the line down the middle of the room. And, um, you know, I had a few sisters-in-law very close. Yeah. We had, we spent years together building up that relationship and that connection. And that's a hard, that was hard for me to lose that though. And I considered them friends. So those, yeah. those were hard friends to lose more so than family then. Yeah. Did you reach out to them at all? Was it like awkward or is it just like complete, just cut off? Some, <laughs> some I was closer to than others. So uh, some I have still a little bit of a relationship with that they don't live locally. So right. in general, it's hard for me to be in touch with people who right. live far. And um, I, I think that everybody's good people. You know, there's nobody evil in this mix. And so it's just trying to be respectful of everybody's feelings. And at the same time, recognizing that we have a relationship, my, you know, my sisters-in-law and, and just, checking in every once in a while. Um, one of one of my sisters-in-law, I think are moving to my community or close by. So that's going to be interesting. I'm excited. <laughs> I would be I'm, excited. I'm excited. I, I haven't spoken to her in a while and I'm I'm excited for my kids. I'm excited for them to have cousins close by. And yeah. I think it's great. And I'm excited to try and reconnect because those were hard losses for me. Did you ever speak to them just openly about it? Or is it just kind of like, yeah, this is awkward now. We need to go back to our respective places. 
one, the one that I was closest with and the sure. one that I still have somewhat of a relationship with, we, we spoke the most openly about it. You and fought for the it. one that's moving here, I was pretty close and I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I am looking forward to having conversations with her. That's I think good. it's been long enough to see, hey, like, let's sit down and have a conversation. And, and you know what? And if she's not comfortable and I can respect that, people have different reactions yeah. to appropriateness and boundaries post-divorce. Um, what about your, do you, what about your, with Tamar's family? Well, we, you know, I was never particularly close with the members of her family. We were friendly and cordial and got along, you know, for the most part when we were together, it was good to see them. You know, there were certain personality quirks, quirks that divided us, but now there's nothing, there's no outreach whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the way it is. I, I think Tamar would like a relationship with my family because I think she enjoyed it with them, but I don't think they're about to reach out to her. They're very loyal people. They've got my back. They're not going to, you know, reach out to her and befriend her and make sure she's okay before I'm okay, regardless of the fact that, you know, those are grandchildren of theirs and nieces and nephews of theirs. They'll, they'll be polite and they'll be friendly, but I don't think they're going to bend over backwards in any particular way. And, right. you know, the friend thing is more on my end I mean, in terms of like the feeling of isolation. I have some friends, some real true friends that have reached out uh, and that will always be there. And then there are others that I thought the relationship was much stronger. And, and trust me, there have been times that I've had a lot of compassion for them, which is that, you know, like, look, we're in the middle of pandemic too. And again, like for as much as, as cynical as I am about the fact that they might have a job or they might have a marriage, you know, I still feel for them in some way because these are unprecedented times. And then there's also the other element of like me feeling really mature and saying like divorce is weird for married people, right? So they're not going to reach out so naturally because of all those other things that you and I had talked about in the past about there potentially being bad juju involved, right? You don't want that stuff to rub off on you or you don't know what to say. Uh, and, and some of that just kind of wears thin on me. I mean, part of it's kind of like, at what point do you say, like relationships are important to me, right? And there's part of me that's like, fuck it. You give your friends all the latitude in the world because they're your friends, right? If there's love there, then just let it take its time and it'll work out and be patient. And then there's another part of me, and that's probably the lover energy in me, right? Saying I love them. And so I'm going to give them space and time and I feel for them too. And then there's also the warrior energy of me, right? Which is much more protective of myself. That's like, forget that, right? Like I'm here too, right? I need love. I've been in your world, right? You've been in my world. You know the type of person I am. I know the type of person you are. Where the fuck are you? Well, I think it's hard in, from your perspective of pain and loneliness to wreck, to see that. Imagine you being in your marriage when you were so unhappy and being mm -hmm. isolated with <clears throat> that person, <laughs> what that might feel like. And the way that you're at your end with feeling lonely and unseen, a married person is very likely at their end of feeling frustrated and trapped and mm -hmm. tired of conflict because right. there hasn't been escape and there haven't been the normal outlets that married people have. I just feel like everyone's just going through their own shit right now and, yeah. and we're tired. Like in the beginning of COVID, everybody, there's every Zoom party and everyone's calling and checking in and I'm talking to friends I haven't talked to in 20 years. And then everyone's just tired. So you think this is a time where we should pouring, be pouring more love onto it rather than setting up stronger boundaries to protect ourselves? Yeah. That's the, that's the way it I, feels like. I think that's always the answer. I think just reach out, ask for what you want. Um, just 
remember that people, I think that's a big lesson in my life. Also, when I was going through those times of feeling so hurt and wondering why people weren't doing more, everyone has their own shit and you, people's lives can look so perfect from the outside. And then I, and I see that as a therapist, I get such a window into people's personal lives and everybody. Yeah, but I'm not talking about the Facebook on. effect. I'm not talking about the Facebook effect in terms of thinking like they've got it great. What I'm talking about is like the basic understanding of what community and friendship is. Right. And it doesn't seem like that's there. Like, and that's the part that's frustrating about it. Right. Like we, <clears throat> it's a community of rabbis I'm part of, mm-hmm. right. These are people that should be trained in this stuff. And again, I feel for them. They're human beings too. They're going through the pandemic. They have their own shit to worry about. Right. The group that I primarily run in is a group of service oriented individuals. Yeah. Right? That's part and, of the professional community, part of the personal out professionally. community. Man, yeah, therapists are always playing the devil's advocate. Why don't you guys ever say you're right? So sorry. You just rub it on the back and say you're right. Are you supposed like, to do that? Pastoral care is all about walking with people through the circumstances. No, I'm trying to really push a type of therapy called stop it therapy. Where I'm like, <laughs> just stop it. Just stop it. Okay. Because my <laughs> coaching practice <laughs> and my coaching practice is going to be called shut the fuck up and do it already. Exactly. Exactly. So therapy can be like that also. Man, I've been dropping some F-bombs this whole time. I must be really upset. <laughs> I think you're at your end. I'm at my end. I sure am, man. This thing needs to, this thing needs to end. What do you, what, so what do you need that maybe somebody listening could hear and give to somebody or recognize that they might be needing that themselves? You know, I, I, that's a great question. I wonder if, um, you know, given everything that's going on, just saying, hey, How's it going? You know, it'd be nice to reconnect. Haven't seen you in a long time. And it, there doesn't need to be an agenda, right? What agenda could there be? It's the same old thing. So I, I think just the minimal stuff at this point probably really matters a lot. The minimum small things probably go a really long way. Just reaching out. Yeah. Saying, I see you. Or if you are in this position of maybe being the one to reach out. Yeah. If you have the strength, if you have the energy. Because you should reach out and I should reach out. That's on me too. If I want the attention and the love, I have to reach out to them as well. I have to muster energy. who do you know that might be feeling the way that you're feeling? And so I could reach out to them. Yeah. feel worse in that way. Because that's really what it comes down to. You feel so lonely. You're like, who wants to be around me? I must not be worth anything. So yeah, who so could who I reach out to to reinvigorate you... that sense of worth in myself? Yes. Yeah. I've been there before. It's a different type though. You know it. Do you have any friends who are getting divorced? Oh, sure. No, no. There's plenty of people I could talk to and be a resource for. Absolutely. I met with a client the other day and that felt really rewarding. I felt like I had some no, worth not a client. value in the world. Well, they're essentially the same thing at this point. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you're right. I could reach out to a friend who's going through that. And I have, I, there, there is a a friend of mine who's gone through a divorce as a result of this. And I check in with him every now and then. So that does make me feel good. It really does. But there is a different type, right? There's this sense of you're being cared for as opposed to you're caring for yourself in that way. And the, and the notion of feeling cared for the ability to let go and just have someone else rub your back and know that you don't have to do it. I think is also really essential in relationships because you can't always be the muscle. You can't always be the strong one to care for yourself and other people. 
Oh, I was, I was going to argue actually the opposite. I was going to say pandemic or no pandemic, that's part of the growing pains of divorce is learning how to give yourself what you need and, and strengthen that muscle. I agree. I, I, I'm in agreement with you about that. What I'm suggesting though, is that like, there's nothing wrong with letting go and not wanting to do that and to simply be the person who's nurtured and cared for, to not always be strong in that way. I, I, that, that's something that men do all the time that I don't think women get to do or women are asked to do, right? Women get to be comfortable. Go into, so I say that more, men get to do what all the time? Get is the wrong word, but men are asked to do that. Men are asked to be the strong ones and put their own shit aside and deal with it themselves, right? So that everything else can move on nicely. Women are the the ones who are allowed to emolt and fall into things. So there's a difference between deal with it, which sounds to me like shove it under the rug, rather than give yourself what you need, self-care. I mean, I try and stay away from those words, self-care, a little bit overused, but um, how to give yourself what you need, how to ask for what you need, how to be less less reliant on somebody feeding that need for you. And it's not about shoving it under the rug at all. It's recognizing how can I, how can I, you know what, and how can I sit in this place of loneliness and feel significant? That's a big thing. That's a huge thing. Feeling significant, even in the midst of isolation and loneliness. That's a real challenge. That's a spiritual exercise right there. And even if I agree with you on that, because I certainly feel like this is a spiritual exercise in grit in a lot of ways, especially right now, this is Mm -hmm. about grit and like how really resilient you can be during the circumstance. I still advocate for the idea of letting go and being completely nurtured and wanting that. I think that's very much okay. I think there are times where you have to let other people care for you and not care about yourself. And I get it. Like, these are just the circumstances that you're in. Sometimes you can't have people come to your door and care for you right? That's not going to happen. So you have to be able to do it on your own. There are different ways that you can circumvent that, right? And it's through basic relationships with people, people reaching out. Well, and I think even more is that hopefully when we're in relationships, that not to fall back into the old patterns of dependency and expectation that I think that's one of the beautiful things, the opportunity of divorce is to learn how to be a little bit more self-reliant. I know with me personally, there was a lot of expectation on my ex to make me feel a certain way, give to me in a certain way, validate my existence, the self-worth. A lot of it was put on him. And part of my post-divorce experience has been, how can I give that more to myself so that future relationships are more symbiotic? And less about, well, what can you give to me? And how can you make me feel better about myself? And that's the balance that I think that we're talking about, which is being able to care for yourself and making sure that you're okay, right? And I also don't think there is anything wrong with being able to fall into someone and be cared for by someone so that you don't have to take care of yourself all the time. But what's the balance, right? It can't be that you're constantly uh, relying on that person to be your comforting, whatever it is, your creature comfort, the one that takes care of you with absolutely everything, but you should also be able to let go and be vulnerable with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that the secret to that is the self-awareness, which what this time is about of what are your needs? What makes you feel good? So that I think in our past relationships or at least mine, when I don't know, when I didn't know what I really wanted, then you tend to just get upset and not really understand why you're feeling upset or hurt, but something felt wrong. Something fell off. I'm not feeling good about myself, but the more I learned about what I wanted and what made me feel good, the more I was able to express and verbalize and communicate those needs. Yeah. And 
part of that is in this moment of isolation and loneliness of, well, really, what do I want very specifically? And figuring out how to articulate that to the person who could potentially help you with that, right? I mean, you start mm -hmm. with yourself. And if you're talking about that, obviously, I use the term self-care for as grating as it might be. But, you know, if you can articulate it to yourself, then you can have a much clearer way of how to address it. And then if you can share that with someone else, maybe they can bring their own strengths to the table as well. Yeah. This thing needs to end. Soon. Pandemic Florida. needs to it's be over. over. Oh my God. This has been great though. I like talking to you. It's a lot of fun. Oh, thanks, no. It's always fun. All right, everyone. If you are feeling lonely or if you feel like you have what to give, reach out to somebody you think could use a phone call or um, a ear or just somebody who might feel appreciative that you reached out. Say hi. <laughs> That's right. Tell them you care. Tell them that you love them, that you see them, even if you haven't really seen them in a long time. Or share this podcast with them. Maybe they'll oh, feel a little less lonely. What an excellent idea. Thank you. <laughs> you can find more information about us at www.thejewishdivorceproject.com where both Noam's and my information are on there. We are more than happy to hear from you with any questions, comments, concerns, topics, things you'd like us to discuss, people you'd like us to interview. So please reach out. And don't forget to look for us on Instagram and Facebook at The Jewish Divorce Project. And you can also email us, reach out at thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. Stay friendly, folks. Avoid the isolation. Reach out to people and tell them that you love them. 